Well, I remember um, being in high school when my uh, grandpa on my mom's side was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and not just any cancer, but at the time, uh, it was uh, really one of the most brutal types of cancer that someone could get. Uh, there was absolutely no, um, no hope <laughs> given in this. It was multiple myeloma, uh, which I know now there's treatments and people are being able to beat this one, but back then uh, it wasn't really a thing. Basically what multiple myeloma is, is it's a cancer of the bone marrow and uh, extremely painful. I remember uh, my grandpa was a pastor. Before that, he was a traveling children's evangelist. And, uh, you know, there, there he was, this man who was serving God, and he has this brutal kind of cancer. Um, partway through, you know, the medications that he was on, uh, they would give him the hiccups. And when he would hiccup, he would break ribs because his bones were so fragile. And I remember um, visiting him in the hospital bef just before I left on a missions trip uh, in grade 11. And uh, he, he was kind of unconscious. And they had him on a morphine drip. And then periodically his whole body would convulse. And as it was explained to us, while he c wasn't conscious of the pain, his nervous system was being racked with so much pain that uh, the morphine was only keeping him from feeling it, but his body was still reacting to it. And, and I remember seeing this, I remember going on this missions trip and getting a phone call on the missions trip that my grandfather had passed away. And I, I think it, it's fair to ask when we, when we see situations like this, to ask, but why him? Why, why in this way? Right? Like, like I, I think we have an easier time getting our heads around, okay, someone is following Christ, they're in their 50s, and God just decides to take them home and they pass in their sleep. We're like, all right, it's going to take some grieving, but maybe he was done with them. But why put them through so much? Why allow that? And I know that in this room and online that there's probably many of you who have either gone through so much or have seen others that are close to you go through just these painful experiences, these drawn-out experiences. Uh, and you might have asked this question, right? Why would a good God let this bad thing happen to a good person? And this is something that, that humanity has had to wrestle with for millennia. In fact, so much of the book of Psalms is just God's people crying out to God, why are the wicked running around getting everything in life and we're under their thumb? Why is everything going wrong? I think it can kind of be summed up, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 88, oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? And I know that, uh, that for church people, this can be a struggle because many of us have bought into this idea that God is going to keep us from suffering. He's going to make things really nice and tidy in our lives, that everything's just going to be super easy going if we'll just give our lives to Jesus, right? And I know that, uh, that there's probably those that haven't decided to follow Jesus, and maybe the thing keeping you back is this notion that we believe in this loving God, this God who actually says that he is love, and yet he allows these things to happen, 
and you just can't reconcile that in your mind. This is, this is a question that theologians have wrestled with, that books have been written on. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Heavenly Father, today I just ask that you would open our hearts in the midst of the pain that this topic may, may bring, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you would lift our burdens during this time and allow us to enter into a place of being able to receive from you and learn from you, Lord God. Lord, that you would um, just begin to address the questions that we may have on this topic. Even if I don't say the words, Lord, I know that you can take these feeble human words that I'm about to speak and make them something worthwhile through the power of the Holy Spirit working in each individual's heart and life as they bring to their heart, what it is that you want to speak to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to look at three reasons that you could say God lets bad things happen. And, and the first thing that we need to think of though as, as we go into this, and, and the first one's up there, but I'm going to get to that. The first thing that we really need to consider is who defines bad? Who defines bad? And I want that to be in the back of our minds. Whenever we say, why does God let this bad thing happen? Who says it's bad? Now, some things really are bad, right? The, the, uh, the slaughter of, of countless Jews by the Nazi regime. The slaughter of millions of, of their own people during the, uh, the Soviet Union's Iron rain. These are things that we just go, that's bad, that's evil. But I, I challenge you to consider, is every, is every discomfort that we experience bad? And so the first reason that God may allow bad things to happen is to maintain our free will. To maintain our free will. We're told in the Bible... That, that God created the world, and I'm not going to get into, is it six days, is it theistic evolution, or anything like that. I think we all can be on the same page if we just say God chose for it to happen and caused it to happen. We good with that? Alright, I think no matter where you come from, we can agree on that. Okay, and so God creates the world. He creates people and animals, and, and he, he puts Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, in what's called the Garden of Eden, this like utopia kind of place where they are, are told to work. Did you know work is not bad? It's part of God's design for us. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyways, you know, so, so they're in this utopia, and they're actually told to expand the influence of the garden. And in the garden, they're meeting with God, and he's walking with them in the cool of the day, and, and, and they just, everything is good. But see, God created humanity. He created the world because of his very nature. We know that God is love, but do you know one of the reasons why we can truly say God is love? It's because of his very essence. There's, there's a principle in theology called the Trinity. And what, it, what it says is that uh, throughout Scripture, we've been able to, to bring together the idea that, that God is three persons eternally existent in one God. So we see the Father, 
the Son, who's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. One God, perfectly equal of essence and desire, to the point where they are one. Holy, engulfed in one another in love. In fact, the... Uh, the Orthodox Church describes this union as a dance. That they're in a, a perfect dance of unity and love with one another. And that's the existence that God has within himself. But see, here's the thing. God's also creative. And so what does a loving God who exists in perfect harmony and love within himself do when he creates? He creates something to join him in that dance. He creates a world that he can love and that can love him. But here's the thing. If you create something and you say, you're going to love me, and you'll never have any option out of it, philosophically speaking, I think we have to come to the conclusion that wouldn't actually be love. It's like indentured servitude. Thinking that we love, but no option to say otherwise. We've talked about this in the past, and I've given lots of examples of it, and I'm not going to go really deeply into it. But in order to, pr uh, to preserve the idea of free will, God, even though he knew what would happen in the future, he looked at the whole of history and he said, this is the way to ultimately have a loving relationship with my creation. And so he put a tree in the center of the Garden of Eden, and he said, do not eat and humanity got tricked, but also allowed something to well up in, our si in ourselves where we were unsatisfied with what God had created us to be and, and what he had given us. And we decided we wanted to be a little more God-like. Maybe even become gods in our own right. And so we ate from the tree and the curse of sin and death came into the world. They were cast out of the garden. Suddenly work became hard. Suddenly pregnancy became painful. And things began to not go very well. And I can imagine as I think of God, this, this God who is, is so loving and yet also so just. Looking at his creation with a broken heart, wanting to take it away, but knowing that there, there was no way to piece it back together easily because for him just to say, well, it was just a mistake, it's all good, and roll back the clock would be taking away our free will. It would not be acting in justice. And so he has left us with the ability to practice our own free will to do the wrong that results in nasty things we don't like. And to live in the world that has been broken by the curse of sin. God wants us to have free will. And ultimately it's a good thing, but it also means that in the short term, we may experience pain. Second reason that God allows bad things to happen is to teach us and to grow us for greater purposes. 
Now, some people really like this one. They're like, I'm going through a lot, and God's going to use it in great ways, and he's teaching me through this. Good. I'm going to get through this. And other people go, what kind of God would bring me this to make me a better person? You know? And so wherever you stand on this, I hope you can understand, first of all, that God never promised us an easy life. If you came to Jesus and somebody had told you he's just going to take all your cares away and everything is going to be easy and it's all going to be roses, I'm sorry, but somebody didn't actually share with you the whole gospel. It's actually the exact opposite The early Christian missionary, the Apostle Paul, he wrote much of our New Testament, and we see his letter to the church in Rome, which you find in the New Testament of the Bible. He says, and since we are God's children, we are his heirs. That sounds really good, right? In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share what? His suffering. I don't like that verse. (laughs) Nobody really likes that one. And yet, can I share with you that when you're in the midst of a challenging circumstance, maybe we need more verses like this that we read? Maybe when we're going through stuff, instead of coming to someone and being like, well, you know, God just loves you and this is going to pass. What would it be like if we actually just meditated on the fact that if we're to share in God's glory, we must also share in his suffering? I don't know. Maybe that helps somebody. Maybe it doesn't help. But, but I, I think that we, we need to understand as we approach God, he does not say that this life is going to be easy. In fact, I seem to remember him saying somewhere in this life or in this world, there will be trouble. Right? But what does he say? But behold, I have overcome the world. So it is, suffering is something to be expected, but it's also something sometimes we have to go through stuff because God loves us. And that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Sometimes things that aren't, that don't seem that great, they're happening because God actually loves us. See, the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 12 in the Bible, as you endure this divine discipline... Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Well, actually, we have a lot of those these days, don't we? We all know how that turns out. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. In other words... If you feel like you're always getting away with stuff and you're like, ha, 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 I'm flying under the radar and everything's always going really, really, really great for you, we're actually told we need to consider, are we actually serving God? Like, because he lets people that aren't serving him get away with some stuff, but for his children, he goes, no, 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 that's not good for you. No, that's not right. Here at this church, we like to present the gospel this way. We say, Jesus loves and accepts you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. And so the great news of the gospel is no matter how far away from him we are, because of his free gift for us on the cross, we're loved and accepted and brought into the family of God exactly how we are. But then the work starts. Then the Holy Spirit of God starts to go, 
why did you do that? Like, that wasn't very... Go apologize. Right? No, 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 don't do that. And, and frankly, sometimes, sometimes the, uh, the discipline is just what we would call natural consequences, right? If you pick up a big, huge rock and you throw it straight up in the air and you just stand there and you get hit in the head, like, that's just a consequence of, frankly, your stupidity, you know? Like, so sometimes bad things happen because God is, is teaching us and disciplining us and he's going like, you need to learn from that because that wasn't very... No, let's not do that again. You know, I, I do that with my kids sometimes. Hey, you made that bed, you're going to sleep in it. And we're going to learn a lesson from that so that we don't do that again. And don't get me wrong, God's there with us through it all, right? We go through these rough times and maybe we don't feel his presence, but man, I can look back at these times where I've had horrible situations going on and I'm like, where are you, God? And then I can see how he's worked every single little thing moving through to grow me and to teach me and to discipline me to make things work out better. Now, God doesn't just teach us. He also is training us and equipping us and, and changing us to become people who can better live out his great purposes in our lives. We might say, why is this happening? But if we really looked at it, we would see because we have submitted ourselves to him and though it's hard in the moment, he's going to do something great. Can I read you all an, uh, a story? Kind of a proverb, if you will. Once upon a time, all good stories have to start that way. Once upon a time, in the heart of a particular kingdom, lay a beautiful garden. And there, in the cool of the day, the master of the garden often walked. Of all the denizens of that garden, the most beautiful and most beloved was gracious and noble bamboo. Year after year, bamboo grew yet more noble and gracious, conscious of his master's love and watchful delight, but remained modest and gentle. And often when the wind came to revel in the garden, bamboo would cast aside his grave stateliness to dance and play merrily. He would toss and sway and leap and bow in joyous abandon, leading the great dance of the garden, which most delighted the master's heart. Now, once upon a day, the master himself drew near to contemplate his bamboo with eyes of curious expectancy. And bamboo, in a passion of adoration, bowed his great head to the ground in loving greeting. The master spoke, bamboo, bamboo, I would use you. Bamboo flung his head to the sky in utter delight. The day of days had come, the day for which he had been made, the, the day to which he had been growing hour by hour, the day in which he would find his completion and his destiny. His voice came low, Master, I'm ready. Use me as you desire. Bamboo, the master's voice was grave. I would have to take you and cut you down. A trembling of great horror shook bamboo. Cut me down? Me, who you have made the most beautiful in all of your garden, cut me down? 
No, not that, not that. Use me for the joy. Use me for the glory. Oh, master, don't cut me down. Bamboo, beloved bamboo. The master's voice grew graver still. If I don't cut you down, I cannot use you. The garden grew still. Wind held his breath. Bamboo slowly bent his proud and glorious head. And there was a whisper. Master, if you cannot use me other than to cut me down, then do your will and cut. Bamboo. Beloved bamboo, I will have to cut your leaves and branches from you too. Master, spare me. Cut me down and lay my beauty in the dust. But would you also have to take from me my leaves and my branches too? Bamboo, if I don't cut them away, I cannot use you. The sun hid his face. A listening butterfly glided fearfully away and Bamboo shivered in terrible expectancy, whispering low, Master, cut away. Bamboo, Bamboo, I would yet split you in two and cut out your heart. For if I cut not, I cannot use you. Then Bamboo bowed to the ground, Master, Master, then cut and split. So the master of the garden took Bamboo and cut him down and hacked off all his branches and stripped off all his leaves and split him in two and cut his heart. And lifting him gently, carried him to where there was a spring of fresh sparkling water in the midst of dry fields. And then putting one end of the broken bamboo in the spring and the other end into the water channel in his field, the master laid down gently his beloved bamboo. And the spring sang welcome. And the clear sparkling waters raced joyously down the channel of bamboo's torn body into the waiting fields. Then the rice was planted, and the days went by, and the shoots grew, and the harvest came. And in that day, bamboo, once so glorious in his stately beauty, was yet more glorious in his brokenness and humility. For in his beauty, he was life abundant. But in his brokenness, he became a channel of abundant life to his master's world. See, our world tells us that we need to live for ourselves. That everything we do, we need to pursue joy in the moment. We need to pursue comfort. We need to avoid all pain. Run the other way, right? But friends, we've actually been called to humbly endure hardship for our brief time on earth. And I do emphasize brief. In order to reap bountiful dividends in eternity. Like the bamboo being painfully cut and torn to bring life to barren fields, we must also understand that our pain may echo our saviors in order to bring life to others. That's the reason we're here. It's because God loves us so much that he gave everything for us, and then he said, go and do likewise. Spread my message. Spread my love. Bring people to me so that I might save them also. See, we, we know this world's broken. And we all, we run around and we wonder, what's my purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? 
We say to ourselves, like, can I, can I just fill this hole in my heart? And so we fill it with drugs and, and alcohol and, and by uh, abusing sex and, and by um, watching pornography or, or by trying to get ahead in life in our job or our career or diving headfirst into whatever hobby it is that just helps us ignore what's going on in our lives. But at the end of the day, we, we find that, that there's still something missing. We, we might feel like we've salved over the brokenness for a time, like we've found some sort of meaning for a time. But how many of you know that meaning that ends with us isn't meaning at all? It's just selfishness. We've been made for so much more. And God, in His infinite love and wisdom, He knew that the only way to be a just God and a loving God was for He Himself, in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth and take the, 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 the person of a, a human being to be fully God and fully man and to live a sinless life and to be killed for sins that He didn't commit. And in his sinless humanity, he would owe nothing. And as God, he would be able to give everything. So that all who would look to him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And who would enter into an eternal purpose. An eternal life of meaning that no matter what seems to club us over the head, no matter what heartbreak we endure, we know that God, his heart breaks with us. And he never leaves us as he walks with us. But in the midst of all these hard circumstances, our God of love is seeking those who will suffer for his glory to bring fresh springs of living water into our community, our families, our, our workplaces, our friendships, and our world. Now God awaits the perfect time to complete his work and calls us to join him in this work. And we might say to ourselves, okay, that's great. Jesus came. He died. Why is there still pain? Why is there still brokenness? Why are bad things still happening? Couldn't, couldn't he just like teach us the lesson, move on, and, and take us all up into the sky? C couldn't he just, couldn't the new heaven and the new earth come now? Who knows, maybe I won't even get to finish this message. I don't know. All right, but we need to understand reason three that God lets bad things happen is to give time for all who will seek him before he completes his plan. See, God is so loving and merciful that he's decided that eternity outweighs the now. And if more people can find him for eternity, that outweighs the pain that he has to allow in this world today. And I get it. You, we can get disheartened, right? Lord, 2,000 years, you still haven't come back. And, and Jesus' close friend Peter, he was... This, this, this issue was near and dear to his heart. He said in 2 Peter 3 in the Bible, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 
But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised— a world filled with God's righteousness. See, there's things that we are looking forward to. And God in his great mercy has, has identified that the best thing that can happen now is to have us where we are, to minister in the circles that we're in, to pray for the family that our hearts are breaking for, to walk the life that he has set before us, seeking him day by day for his guidance in these difficult times that we face so that we can flow most abundantly. God is merciful, and in fact, he is our great hope. Paul writes, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Speaking of the world around us, he says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. This is when Adam and Eve sinned, and, and the curse was brought upon all of creation because they were representatives of God to creation. All creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must patient, wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. See, if we can grasp the importance and also the simultaneous triviality of our, of our earthly existence in light of eternity. In other words, if we can grasp how significant for eternity our present here on earth is, and yet how small compared to your eternal existence your time on earth is. I believe that we can place our trust in Jesus no matter what may come, and we can joyously join in his suffering knowing that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, it's interesting when my grandpa passed away, even though I was like just in high school, I never actually really struggled that deeply with why my grandpa got cancer or why he died. I don't know. It, it, it was just one of those things. Like I, I, I know in my heart the love that he has had for God. 
I know the sacrifices that he had made in life for him. And he'd lived a life just showing us his grandkids and his children so much love. And so while he suffered, what was interesting, we actually began to, um, to find out all these people from before in his ministry, they, when they found out that he was sick, they began to come to him and actually begin to share, you know, 20 years ago, when you were on this kid's uh, evangelism circuit and, and you were up there doing ventriloquism and you were talking about the gospel, I gave my life to Jesus and you, you changed my life or you turned my life around at South Tacoma Assemblies of God. And, and, and all these people, you know, he went from a pastor going just day by day, I don't know if anything matters to hearing from people the way that his life had mattered. And though God took him in his 50s, I know where he is. And I trust in God's good plan. And I know that he trusted in it too. And God, by his great mercy, he actually, as my, as my mom was by my, my grandpa's bed in, in the hospital, just, just before or just after he passed, I, I can't completely remember. I'd have to double check the stuff with her. God gave her a dream. And in her dream... My, my grandpa was walking in heaven and, and dancing, just completely carefree. Just with a big smile on his face and joy. And it was, it was such a relief to her. Such a confirmation. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But if we put life in the right perspective and understand that even the worst suffering now is but a a moment in our existence, suddenly we can put our trust in God and joyfully hope for tomorrow. So today I wonder, will you humble yourself along with me today knowing that God never leaves us or our loved ones alone in the midst of trials and suffering. We're going to sing a final song uh, together here today. I'm going to invite Hap to come back to the platform right now and, uh, and ready to, to sing this, this final song. But as we sing it, I want you to really consider the words of this song. That no matter what's going on, no matter what we face, Jesus is with us in our circumstances. That he is a God who is familiar with human suffering and tears. He experienced it alongside us. And he loves you and me and everyone who is out there in the world. And so today as we sing, consider, are you willing to be cut down and laid bare for the sake of Jesus and his good news? Is that something that you would say, yes, Lord, use me? Would you say, go ahead and cut? There may be someone here right now or online and, and as I've shared what God went through because of his great love for us and, and how he desires for all to reach repentance Perhaps it is that, that something today has, has connected with your heart and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus.
I want to follow him for all my days. I, I want to be able to be joyous in suffering. Even if it brings more on me, I want to know that someone is with me walking this journey with me, that I have a community of believers who will support me. And so right now, as, uh, as I lead you in a prayer, what I'm going to ask with no one looking around and every eye, eye closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, would you raise your hand so I can see who you are and just pray specifically for you today? Not by name, but pray specifically for you. Online, go ahead and, uh, and put... I want to give my life to Jesus in the comments or send us a message. And let's all pray this together today, shall we? Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love. I don't always understand why you allow what you allow. But I'm giving in to faith. I'm taking a leap. Today, I'm giving you my life. Please give me yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And transform me by your love. Today I'm giving you everything. And I thank you for your sacrifice for me. Today, Lord, I commit that even when I fall down, I'll look for you. And I'll find you there, ready to pick me up. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. Uh, this is just an amazing decision that you have made, the first step on this journey of following Jesus. And so I want to let you know uh, in-house, we've got that same Connect With Us card. There's another checkbox there that you can check off before you give it to, uh, to Bobby at the back. And, and that checkbox there is, um, is going to say, I just gave my life to Jesus. And we've got a Bible and things that we would love to give to you as well online. You can go to ASCC.life and tap on I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And we'll be excited to, to connect with you and, and bring you what it is that the next step for you is as well. And so I'm going to just invite you all to, to stand with me today as I grab my in-ears. And we're going to sing this song. Um, anybody that, that has come to this church for a while, you know it. It's another in the fire. And I, I think it captures so well the hope that we can have as we, as we face all the things that are going on around us in this world. That we're not alone in it. Right? That, that God is right there beside us. That he is, is doing so much with us. And that as we suffer, that he is in that fire with us. He's in the storm with us. That he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he will not abandon us. So Lord God, as we sing this song together, I ask that you would move in our hearts. And that whatever challenge it is that we've been facing, whatever hurt in our lives... Lord God, that right now, you would heal that hurt. Lord, right now, that you would help us to trust you in the midst of all the challenges that we face. We pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name.
Amen.